to the DRS Zone Podcast. Daily racing stories. Holy mac and cheese balls. From guests who probably know more than you or think they do. No, no thinking. No, no, Mike. That was so not right. Can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Listen to stories well known. Stories well known. Lesser known. Lesser known. And never told. And never told. With another episode of Daily Racing Stories today. Now, here's your host, RJ. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the DRS Zone podcast. I am your host, RJ. Let's break it down for you. The French Grand Prix preview here, too long, didn't read version. If you're a Ferrari fan right now, let's get the ugly out of the way and start the healing process. We did have such a close battle going on between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. Unfortunately, during this race around lap 17, we see Max Verstappen start to go into essentially what is the pits. And out of nowhere, uh, while anticipating how Ferrari is going to react, we see Charles spin out, crash into a barrier, and probably one of the coldest uh, radio messages with Charles just screaming bloody murder no on the other end of it uh ends up being caught live for uh, us fans to listen to unfortunately with this race as much as it was a opportunity for ferrari to make a comeback we've slowly learned that ferrari's biggest rivalry uh or threat to competition this season is ferrari themselves we have seen charles early on in his career have struggles it's been uh the third race this season where he's been leading and ended up not finishing a race which is pretty mind-blowing when you consider the gap that could have possibly been had the roles been reversed with charles getting uh, a podium and fastest lap with max not getting a podium or dnfing would have brought this title fight back to almost one race almost 25 points Now we have the gap being widened even more, and uh, it looks like it's Red Bull's, you know, season to possibly, or or World Championship, Drivers' Championship to lose. Uh, We'll circle back to that in a minute here, but uh, first lap, we have, obviously, Charles leading. On top of it, what I was pretty impressed with, um, K-Mag brought back seven places, which I thought was pretty unreal, obviously, on one lap. Some of that being caused by an Ocon-Yuki Sonoda collision uh, where Ocon was eventually hit with a penalty. However, Sonoda was reconciled back to P20 and then ultimately was retired throughout the race. One of the more impressive highlights from the race though, as the race went on, um, we were eventually hit with a virtual safety car. Max does take the lead. Ferrari's pace was really well obviously going on. We have Carlos coming roaring up at the end towards towards the race. We also have Lewis Hamilton holding off Checo Perez uh, for, for a very impressive stint, ultimately finishing P2 for this race. At the end there, we probably have one of the more clever tactics I feel like I've seen this year, where George Russell lays off a little bit from Checo and ultimately ends up going whizzing by him in a matter of maybe 100 meters, which was nuts. And ultimately, we get a Mercedes double podium. Uh, What I will say about the Mercedes double podium, it was pretty exciting to see. I did predict Lewis Hamilton winning this race, but just from a stat standpoint, this was Lewis Hamilton's 300th race. 
which is mind-blowing to obviously say the least when you consider how well of a career Lewis Hamilton has had overall. On top of it, we did have Fernando Alonso becoming the most experienced driver miles-wise, passing Kimi Raikkonen with over 1,800 laps uh, driven in his Formula One career. Working our way a little bit down more on the grid, let's talk back about the Tifosi with Team Ferrari. We did have Carlos with a very <laughs> scratching-your-head tactic um, from the pit crew, the Tifosi looking like some clowns, if you ask me, where he's almost he's battling Checo, but it's as if they've you know they've gotten a world championship drivers check, they have a world championship car check, and they have an intern running the strategy on a computer, not even watching the actual race going on. You have them asking. Carlos to pit while he's in a battle with Checo Perez. That was an absolute head scratcher. The crazy part for me is I knew that the tire degradation was high. Initially, I would have thought they may have gone ran softs rather than mediums when he did go into pit. Well, ultimately, you know, he does finish um, with a with a hefty amount of points there, uh, just behind Checo Perez. I guess all things considered, it was a win for him considering the drive that he had to do, starting off more in the back of the grid. Uh, and so on. One of the bigger surprises to me, though, uh, going forward with the race, we have obviously seen um, McLaren. Danny Rick uh, was optimistic that he would have a good race uh, weekend. All things considered, keeping up with the pace of Lando Norris, where in last week he, last weeks he has struggled, I thought was impressive. So that's a good takeaway from them. However, McLaren now I believe is on the back foot, where we have Alpine being considered, you know, in my opinion, the best of the rest. Um, they should be leapfrogging McLaren by the end of this season. Uh, if you're a Daniel Ricciardo fan such as myself, you may wonder why did he obviously ever leave Alpine? Well, can't connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect them looking backward, but hopefully for Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren, um, this could be hopefully the signs of some more consistency. Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo in that car has not been nearly as consistent. It was a great drive from Ocon um, and Fernando Alonso uh, with their weekend. Obviously, Ocon did have the uh, penalty there as well with Yuki Tsunoda, which was unfortunate considering that AlphaTauri really has not gotten uh, things in literal and physical gear. Pierre Gasly, at this point going into the 12th race of the season last year, he had scored points in 8 of the first 11 races. This race, we see his parents on the screen. You know, they're excited, pretty happy. You know, a, a proverbial home race uh, for the Frenchman in his home country. Granted, he did only score in three races out of the first 11 so far this season and did not score in this race as well. So some lost points on the line there, ultimately. Team in the points that we haven't seen in the points too often this year, though, uh, going along with the grid. We did see Aston Martin. Crazy enough, it looked like uh, Lance Stroll was literally fighting for his life to not let Seb Vettel uh, past him at the very end. You see him cut him off at the end on a quick corner there, so Vettel can't get past him. Uh, who knows what the strategy call obviously there was, but we did obviously see some points coming out of Aston Martin. Uh, unfortunately, as the race weekend went on, I did hear that Lance Stroll did shut off the commenting for a lot of his Instagram posts, the more recent ones, 
And we do have fans going back to even his older uh, Instagram posts, pretty much just bashing him, which if you're a fan of F1, I don't think that's any way to uh, be an ambassador or tell people you're a fan of the sport. You know, uh, just a lot of derogatory comments, which is uh, um, never fun to see, regardless of how accurate or um, inaccurate uh, we may feel like it is as fans. Regardless, uh, it was an exciting weekend. We won't have a race back in France, and we won't also have one back in Spa uh, coming up in the future. I, for one, think it's a, a complete shame. Um, when you have this much diversity just on a global scale of how many drivers are from different countries, you would hope in some ways each driver would have a race in their respective country in a way. Granted, you could make the argument if a driver were to come along and is from a you know, a smaller uh country less than a million people might not be obviously make sense and formula one is a financially driven sport so you have to make some sense out of those dollars and will we see france back in the uh race circuit in the future who knows but for now obviously we know it is going to be replaced going forward some other highlights from the race i thought were interesting the gorilla trophy there's a lot of clickbait out there i even mentioned it um, there was an article on WTF1 as well, who claims they explain why it was a Gorilla Trophy, uh, but that was nowhere even near accurate or gave any insight into what or why the Gorilla Trophy is a Gorilla Trophy. And this year wasn't even a Gorilla Trophy, which was a complete bummer to end uh, what was a long stint for the French Grand Prix. All I did find out was obviously the winner does get the Gorilla Trophy, the artist is named Richard Orlinski, who is an artist and a sculptor. Uh, if you look at a lot of his art, it does focus on more animal-based sculptures. And with this one obviously being a gorilla, what's the relevance? I still have heard crickets and have zero idea. So if you do find out, let me know. Otherwise, um, obviously the trophy was red, white, and blue, similar to the flags of France. It's something we won't see come back for a while. Um, per previous regulations, there were you know, regulations for what the trophy should look like. I think the French Grand Prix obviously ignored those. Now, let's circle back to the actual statistics from this race and put it all into context. So let's start off with one of the more crazier stats, Lewis Hamilton's 300 races. As you heard me allude to in the previous episode, no driver has ever won a race after eclipsing 300 races. This list includes Fernando Alonso, Michael Schumacher, and Kimi Raikkonen as well. Lewis Hamilton is still hoping to seek his first race win of the 2022 season. His first race win ever was back in 2013, way, 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 way back when and in Hungary of all places, if you can believe that. Hungary, which is nuts. On top of it, since then, Lewis Hamilton has had seven world championships. He has had 103 wins, 103 pole positions, 187 podiums, and 60 fastest laps. That is quite the career, and I think worth acknowledging, obviously, on a podcast, whether Lewis is listening or not. The crazier thing, regardless of where you are in the Lewis Hamilton train or not, is actually the points scored after the Australian Grand Prix. And the reason why this is important is because during that race, we had Max Verstappen getting hit with a DNF, one of his last DNFs he's actually been hit with. Since that race, 
just point-wise, Hamilton and Charles Leclerc are tied at 99 points. We have George Russell scoring 106 points since then, Carlos Sainz with 111, Sergio Perez with 133, and Max Verstappen with 208. If you go even more recently, just to the last six races here, from Monaco to France, Charles has had 66, George Russell has had 69, Checo has had 78, Carlos has had 79, Lewis Hamilton is at 81, and Max Verstappen is at 123. When you break down all the points and everything like that, considering you know where we are in the season right now, Max Verstappen truly is the front runner when it comes to winning this next World Drivers Championship. And I know we did have Ted Kravitz more recently on Formula One or Sky TV, did go down and break through how Verstappen was handed the championship based on an error with Michael Massey. As much as that is true, we can't change the past. And if anyone's handing the title to him this year, let's be real, it's Ferrari. The inability of Ferrari to be consistent on the grid is mind-blowing. Uh, Tafosi, if you're listening, um, stateside in America, I would I don't even know how I would describe it in a American terms of who your organization is. Um, for me being here from Michigan, uh, it would almost like be comparing a classic team, maybe like the Detroit Red Wings, to the performance more recently of the Detroit Lions. Um, you have the components there. We did have Matt Stafford. Just couldn't get it done with Megatron even too. And I'm not comparing that in any way to saying, you know, Stafford's Charles Leclerc, Megatron, um, Carlos Sainz. But you get the picture. The pieces are there. It's just the organization as a whole is struggling. And if you are the Tifosi, it really makes you wonder what are they going to do differently um, on this half of the the next season coming up here before the summer break. In my opinion, uh, what I think they'll end up doing ultimately is Charles has had some struggles early on in his career as a driver, and you really hope that those struggles don't stick with him going on in his career. Could it alter the way it um, he drives a season based on his struggles? And as I alluded to earlier, three crashes with the race lead so far this season? Possibly. However, I think if you're Team Ferrari, you have to go with what is the best possible strategy for us to win. And at this point, I think that's probably Carlos Sainz just essentially being unhinged. Maybe he's converted to driver number one of that pairing, and that's what motivates Charles to come back even stronger and uh, get his uh, mindset right. I don't know. I just know if you're a Ferrari fan, uh, when's it going to end? You know, uh, we did have the team principal saying, you know, we can we can brush it off. We just need a one-two finish next week in Hungary. I think that's easier said than done, like a lot of things in Formula One. And if Ferrari's going to have any uh, title chances they're gonna need a bit of luck on their side and i think a lot of that comes back obviously to the strategy and we know ferrari's strategy early on in the season um could be attributed to the fact that they had more wind tunnel time you know this goes back to even last season they had 10 percent more wind tunnel time than mercedes red bull being five percent if you look at the inverse based on where the season is going this year even into next year mercedes actually have the upper hand having more wind tunnel time red bull will be on the back foot so I think going forward, if, if you're Ferrari, uh, you have to consider, you know, what are we doing good and what aren't we doing good? And I think that comes back to who's being the better driver. Obviously, Carlos being one of them more recently and being a little more consistent. So 
It's obviously a head scratcher, but Ferrari's the only real chance, I think, to stopping Red Bull from running away with this title fight. And if Ferrari's struggles continue, uh, maybe Mercedes ends up picking up that second spot when all things uh, are considered. So it's obviously a good reason to watch Formula One. Uh, that's all I got for you this weekend. Hope you didn't mind my uh, ranting and rambling there too much here. Short and sweet episode. Hope everyone has a great rest of the week. We'll be back here soon with a hungry uh, preview episode and look forward to chatting with you all then. Take care.